Good morning and welcome to Broxton United Methodist Church. As you can see, I have uh, kind of chosen to take a different route this morning. Uh, we are obviously not in the sanctuary. Uh, we are in my office. This is this is my church office, and uh, I just thought we'd do a little little something different this week in little in a in a slightly uh, less formal atmosphere and a little little intimate more little more intimate setting uh, for you folks who were who were more than likely sitting in your recliners or your or your sofas and and watching church and celebrating God and worshiping God and and uh, listening to me talk at home. So welcome, and I am glad you're here. As as I say every week. Welcome to our members. I miss you guys like crazy. I pray for all of you by name each and every day, uh, waiting for that time that we can that we can be back together again. And we're going to talk about that um, a little bit here in just a minute. But thank you all. Thank you guys, as always, for being here for your church and with your church, our, our members, our family, our, our, uh, our friends, and anybody and everybody, of course, connected to Broxton United Methodist. And we want to welcome anybody who may be visiting us via our internet presence today. Uh, that is one thing that we have truly learned throughout this uh, this process that's been going on the last couple of months, is that we are receiving a lot of people. A lot of people are tuning in uh, to Broxton United Methodist, just as they are other 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 churches across the state, across the country, across the globe. Uh, a lot of them, more than likely, for the first time. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing that God is doing uh, with his church in this time during this during this pandemic. So if you are here for the first time or or if you're here for the second or third time, you've been checking us out uh, over the last month or two. Again, welcome. We are we are so glad that you're here. And if you happen to be watching and, and you've never visited and you live, you do live kind of locally, we would love, 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 absolutely love to have you join us here at Broxton when we do open back up and we, we open those doors up and we start meeting again in person uh, whenever that happens and to what degree that starts happening. Uh, let me uh, let me just go ahead and start with that. When are we going back? Everybody wants to know that. I of all people want to know that. When are we going to be starting back church services? And as 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 the minister here, what I'm doing folks and is is I am doing my best to basically follow the lead of of our conference. And uh, that is that is basically for y'all who you, who may not understand the, the lingo. That is basically the larger church. That is the the larger. We are in the South Georgia Conference um, of the United Methodist Church, and I'm trying to follow their leadership and, and their lead and, and their suggestions and in, in what how we go about doing this uh, as far as setting dates and times and and how to go about uh, reopening the church and the precautions that we have to take. Um, so I will tell you what we're doing at this point is we are establishing a, a committee uh, consisting of myself and several other church members um, in regards to opening our doors again, in regards to, uh, to how we are going to go about doing that, when we are going to go about doing that, and what the process is going to look like, uh, because it is going to be different. Even, even when we do uh, open back up, it's not going to be the same. It's, we're going to have we're going to have a lot of changes. We're going to have a lot of precautionary measures that we're taking. Uh, services are going to look um, probably significantly different uh, for a while, anyway. And that's just that's just part of it, and that, and that's fine. That's something we have to we have to live into, and uh, that's just things that we have to look into. Uh, so that's what we're doing. When are we going back? What's what's a timeline? The best timeline that I can probably give you right now is probably mid to late June. More than likely, it will be June 21st, June 28th. I think those are the, the, the last two Sundays of the month, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
until we will have some sort of, of Sunday gathering at bare minimum, at bare minimum, either the 21st or the 28th, where we where we have at least some some sort of in-person formal gathering in the sanctuary. And, you know, again, that's over a month away. It's a month and a half away. Um, I'll have a lot more information for you in the coming weeks. Pray is my suggestion and, and is my hope and is my instruction um, to you guys. Please pray for this. That's that's the that is the prayer is the best tool that we have at our disposal. And it's so, so frequently unused or misused. Pray, seek God's guidance, seek his help. Um, and then believe and just know and have faith. Remember, we've been talking for the last couple of months that we're, we're people of faith. We're a people not of fear. Um, God knows what he's doing. God's this, all of this is in his hands. So be calm. Uh, let go of any fear or worry you might have and let him have control and, and seek his guidance and seek him in prayer. And we will continue to update you as, 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 as we learn more and uh, as, as these decisions continue to be made. Do want to remind you, as I do every week, about our online ministries. Facebook is our primary our online online ministry right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our, our our homepage, our Facebook page, is Broxton United Methodist Charge. Uh, Broxton United Methodist Charge. Now we do have a couple of other groups that we've established um, lately over the last few weeks, last couple of months, and the first one is Broxton UMC Family, and that is a group. Um, specifically for members, family members, or fam families of members, friends of members, anybody with any kind of connection whatsoever to Broxton United Methodist, Mary's Chapel United Methodist, Oak Grove United Methodist, anybody in the Broxton Charge, Broxton Circuit, um, that's that's who this group is for. So if you're not part of that, and I think, and, and I, I am happy that we have we have the number that we have, I think we've got close to 80 folks in that group right now, which is, which is really wonderful. Uh, but if you're not in that, and you would like to be, it's uh, Broxton UMC Family is the name of it. Go to Facebook, type in uh, search for Broxton UMC Family, and uh, it'll take you right there. Click the Join Group button if you haven't already done so, and we would love, love, love to have you. Uh, another ministry that we started last week, or yeah, week before this one, is our prayer course, and I am so, 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 so very excited about this. Um, I mentioned my excitement last week about it, uh, and I, I, I'm happy about the participation that we're receiving in this prayer course. Um, and I do believe I do believe it's it's having an effect on some the, the folks who are really diving in, the folks who are really getting involved with it. Um, and you can see it. You, you, you can see the way that we're corresponding with each other in this group. Um, so I'd like you to check it out if you, if you have a chance. It's the prayer course at Broxton UMC on Facebook. Go to Facebook once again, do, do a search for Broxton or the prayer course at it's the little at symbol Broxton UMC. Click the join group button and we'll get you in there. And again, I cannot stress enough how uh, how, how how wonderful, wonderful the, the layout of this course is and how much I truly believe that anybody, anybody who, who puts just a little bit of effort into it will, will benefit um, within their prayer life and with their relationship with God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So again, highly, highly encourage you guys to do that. Pray with me if you will. Lord Jesus Christ, today we are reminded of your simple call to obey your commandments. Simple, but not always easy. You command us to love our neighbors and even our enemies. 
You command us to practice radical forgiveness, even in the face of personal injustice. You tell us to treat others the way that we wish to be treated. You warn us against placing our faith in material wealth and earthly possessions, and instead you admonish us to seek your kingdom first. You command us to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses, and to follow you daily. We're also reminded now how dreadfully and woefully short we fall in being your disciples. But we want to, Jesus. We truly want to. In the Gospel of John, you promised your disciples that they would not be abandoned, but that they would be given an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who would live in them and guide them, just as he does with us today. Because of this, we are empowered to think, act, and live as your disciples. Help us today, God, to be aware and to be sensitive to the very real presence, the very real promptings, and the very real leading of your Holy Spirit. Give us less of us and more of him that we may be able to follow Christ's commandments, bringing glory to your kingdom and showing the world the love of Christ. In all this we pray and ask in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And if you have your Bible this morning, uh, as I do each week, I encourage you um, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to follow along with the scriptures. So if you have your Bible this morning, turn over to the Gospel of John. Or if you have access, uh, again, to a Bible app on your phone or wherever you may be, we're going to be checking out some scriptures from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. And as you can probably guess from my prayer, a lot of it has to do with, with the commandments of Christ and uh, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit. Those, those would be the two primary or two main main themes of these scriptures. Beautiful, beautiful scriptures with a lot of a lot of a lot of theological depth. And we're going to get into a, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. As I, as I say probably every week too, in the interest of time, I'll try not to, I'll, I'll try not to uh, wear out my welcome here. <laughs> uh, so again, John 14, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 15 through 21. John 14, verses 15 through 21. So starting in verse 14, Jesus says, tells the disciples, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And of course, that's the word of God for the people of God. And these scriptures sound probably, probably a lot more complicated than they actually are. So that's what I want to do. I want to I want to I want to break down these scriptures for us today, um, as concisely and and again as within the time frame that we have allotted. Just want to break down some of these scriptures and uh, and, and and talk about uh, some of the depth involved in them. The first thing that we notice is that word obey. If you love me, you will follow my commandments. The what the scripture that I read or the translation that I read says this: If you love if you love me, obey my commandments. Other translations say, uh, 
will obey or could obey or keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that sounds like a tall order for us because Jesus has some pretty lofty commandments that we find throughout the gospel. And for, for most folks, it is a tall order. For Christians, it's a tall order. But see, one thing we have to understand and one thing that we have to remember is when Christ tells us to obey his commandments, this is not, this is not, we don't obey Christ's commandments. We don't follow Jesus because we are being forced to. We don't follow Jesus. And, and I think, again, we've talked about this fairly recently too. We don't follow Jesus. We don't, we don't follow his commandments. We don't obey his commandments um, out of force because we feel like we're being coerced. We don't, we don't, we don't do these things out of a sense of uh, misplaced obligation even. The only proper motivation that we have for following Jesus Christ, for following his commandments, for obeying his commandments, is love. It always comes back to love, doesn't it? And I know that we've talked about that a, a good bit over these last several weeks, the subject of love. But we obey Jesus because we love Jesus. And that is our motivation. That is the only proper, the only right motivation for following the, the commandments of Christ. And he says that pretty clearly right here. If you love me, you will follow my commandments. It's kind of like a cause and effect thing almost. Because I love Jesus, because I have such a deep love and a deep affection for Jesus, I am led, I am prompted to follow his commandments because he is my God, he is my Lord. And I do this out of the sense of not, again, misplaced obligation, but out of a sense of love. Because I love Jesus, my reaction is to, is to want and to desire to obey him. Jesus talks about following his commandments a lot, actually. And in these scriptures today, where he says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. Or if you love me, obey my commandments. It reminds me a lot of what we call in the church, the Great Commission. And that's found in the Gospel of Matthew. And again, this is one of those, those, those scriptures that, that, uh, that we have talked about here at Brock United Methodist. I do believe that, that I preached a sermon on it a number of months ago. Because Jesus says something very, very similar in those passages as well. The Great Commission you can find in the Gospel of Matthew. It's, all, it's in the very end of the, of the Gospel of Matthew. And I am going to read that to you um, right now. It's Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And you can certainly spot the similarities here. So I am going to read the entire thing, starting in verse 16. And some of your Bibles may even have that at the top of, the, of this verse. Mine actually has, has, has the heading, the Great Commission. The last recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Now here it is. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the commandments that I have given you. And be sure I'm with you always till the end of the world. Verse 20, once again, teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments that I've given you. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And, and again, that's something that Jesus repeats several times throughout the Gospels, and it's very it's very hard for us to ignore that. It's hard, and, and, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit a little bit more as we get deeper into this. There's a lot going on in this in this portion of Scripture, but a large part is dedicated 
all, not only to obeying commandments, but also to the Holy Spirit. And, and who the Holy Spirit is, it's, it's, this is one of several places uh, that Jesus talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So you've got two themes. You've got two things going on here in these, in these verses in, uh, back in John. And those are the themes of obeying my commandments, obeying the commandments of Jesus, and, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Go back to that text, because what I'm going to do over the next, hopefully I can wrap this up in 10 or 15 minutes, um, over the next several minutes, I just want to break down these scriptures just a little bit, just give some highlights of what's going on in each scripture. So turn back, if you have your Bible still, back over to John. We're going to jump back and forth a little bit. I'm going to, I, I'm going to give you several scriptures to take to take a look at, to chew on, and to, and to think about over the coming week. So let's go back to John and our scriptures for today, and let's take a look at verses 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17, John chapter 14. So immediately after Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, or if you love me, obey my commandments, he says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Who, who will give you another advocate who will never leave you? He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you now and later will be in you. So again, this is one of several times throughout Scripture that we find Jesus discussing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And those words there are very, very important. I'm sorry that I lost my place. Let me go back and, and repeat that one more time because those words are so, 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 so very important. And it's found in verse 17, the last part of verse 17. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells his disciples, but you know him because he lives with you and now later will be in you. Big distinction there. Big distinction. Huge, huge distinction there between knowing the Holy Spirit because you're with him and knowing the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives within you up until Pentecost. And that's what we're all leading up to. That's what these verses are leading up to. That's what Jesus is kind of giving us a, 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 a giving us some foreknowledge of what's going to happen following his resurrection, following his ascension is the day of Pentecost. And of course, that's when we know that the, the, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. Up until this point, throughout history, the Holy Spirit is with folks, and you find you find you find you find the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, uh, working in the Old Testament, working in the New Testament. But up until the day of Pentecost, when Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of us, and people are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first. That's the first indwelling, the first infilling uh, that we see is in the Book of Acts with the, with those early disciples. And it's that same Holy Spirit that indwells, that infills us today. That same Holy Spirit that truly, truly lives inside of us today. So this is huge. What Jesus is talking about here in these two verses is huge. And he also refers to him as, an, as, as our advocate. And uh, he actually mentions in these scriptures several things that the Holy Spirit does. First thing he says here, one of the things that he says here is he refers to him as our advocate advocate. And, and being our advocate um, is exactly kind of what it sounds like. He advocates for us. It's kind of a legal term. It's almost a, it's a, it's almost a judicial term that, that the Holy Spirit is in, our, is in our corner. He's there. He's there to defend us. He is there. He's there to speak up for us. Maybe we can't speak up for ourselves. He's our advocate. He's our biggest advocate. 
and uh, that is one of the, that's one of the one of his roles in our lives. That is one of his roles um, in in the life in the lives of the church in the lives of the of the of the of the of the, of the, uh, the corporate church, but also of course uh, us as individuals. This is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, and Jesus reveals that to us right here in these scriptures by referring to Him as our Advocate. Paul reminds us of of, uh, of one aspect of the Spirit's advocacies, um, the Spirit's advocacy of us. And it has become really lately, uh, for some reason, the scripture has been jumping out to me so much in recent conversations, uh, recent uh, devotions, Bible readings. Um, this one has really been jumping out to me. It has come to mean a lot over the last several weeks. And that is in Romans 8, 26 through 27. And I told you we were going to be kind of thick with scripture today. Romans, you know, I would invite you to turn there. I'm, uh, I'm not going to make you. <laughs> But it's Romans 8, 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26, 27. And this is this is again, this is Paul talking how talking about how one of the ways, one of one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and one of the ways that the Holy Spirit advocates for us. And tell me how cool, how cool this is. Starting in verse 26, Paul writes that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. How awesome is that? The Holy Spirit is working the Holy Spirit is praying and doing for us when, when we don't even have the words to express it. The Holy Spirit is literally dwelling inside of us, advocating for us at all times, even, even when, when we don't know how to express it ourselves. So what else can the Holy Spirit do? Look at verse 17 once again. 17 calls him the Spirit of Truth. Jesus refers to him as the Spirit of Truth in some translations. He communicates the truth of the gospel to the world. That is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, is that he is the communicator of the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the truth of the gospel to the world. Without the Holy Spirit, we are unable to be convicted of anything. Without the Holy, I'm going to repeat that, without the Holy Spirit's presence, without the Holy Spirit's prompting, we are unable, we are so fallen to be convicted of anything. Part of his role is to reveal that truth to people. Part of his role is to reveal the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus Christ is to the world and, and to individuals. That is, that is part of, of, his, of his role um, in our lives. Verse 18 also is, is, is really cool too. Uh, let me read that to you. Again, John 14, verse 18. Jesus says, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Trying to break this down is going to be a little bit difficult. This is one of those things that's going to make our heads spin. It makes it makes my head spin thinking about it. Without getting too deep, this goes into some pretty awesome doctrine, some pretty awesome theology of what we believe as Christians. And that is that we believe, uh, it, 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 we, are, we, we believe in the Trinity. 
We are this is this is this is Trinitarian theology. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons in one. Three distinct persons in one. And I'm not even going to attempt to explain in full detail what, what the Trinity is all about and, and, and how what the Trinity is and how the Trinity works. People have been trying to do that for 2,000 years. Nobody's gotten it right so far. The Trinity is what it is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. And that's what Jesus is getting at right here in verse 18. Let me repeat it to you one more time. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is telling them he's, that he is the Holy Spirit. He and the Holy Spirit are one. Let that roll around in your head for just a little bit. Because this is some, again, this is some pretty deep theology. It's some pretty awesome, awesome theology. But he's letting them know he's never going to abandon you. I'm not going to abandon you. How am I going to do that? Because me and the Holy Spirit are one. Just as me and God are one. Just as me and the Father are one. He says that later on in the scripture. It just says me and the Father are one. I'll never abandon you, folks. We are we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are in we have the infilling as Christians, as born again believers, that we that we are we are infilled with the Holy Spirit, who is also God, who is also Jesus. How awesome is that? How awesome, how truly awesome is that? Verses 19 and 20 contain some of that, some of that similar language. And let me read those to you again, too. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will, you will know that I am in my Father, that I am in my Father. There's more of that Trinitarian language again. When I raise to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And I am in you. How? Yeah, again, that, that, is, that, that is stuff that we can meditate on for, for years and years and years. That, that understanding how, what the Trinity is and how the Trinity works. And having, having the awesome, awesome knowledge that the Spirit of God and that Jesus Christ literally, literally dwell inside of us. So at the end of these scriptures, it kind of comes back to, uh, we, we, uh, it kind of comes full circle. And we get back to the idea of, of obedience. Uh, so the very last verse, right, the very last verse reads this. Those who accept those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So at that point, again, we have, we have come full circle. We have uh, we've, we've gone from, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, to I'm sending you an advocate and the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's, here's what he's going to do for you. And me and the Spirit are one. You're never going to be without me. I'm always going to be with you. Back to following and back to obeying God or obeying Jesus' commandments and, and, and loving God and, and being being one with the Father. I wanna I wanna read something that I came across while I was preparing this. And uh, I thought it was very profound. I thought that it was very uh, very true. Um, and it's something that all of us can can chew on. And uh, I think I am of the opinion that we should always be practicing uh, self-reflection. I I, I I try to do that daily, um, at, at least once a day. Anyway, if, if not if not several times throughout the day, I, I I think I don't think that spiritual growth happens without self-reflection. I think we have to have self-reflection. I think we have to have confession and and repentance and all that in order to grow uh, closer to Christ. In order 
in order to uh, to grow in that that whole idea of sanctification, growing in love for God and growing in love for neighbor. These are absolutely essential. And if we have to be honest with ourselves, a lot of the times, if not most of the time, um, we're not following Jesus' commandments really well. And we can use the excuse. We can use the excuse that, yeah, you know, we're human. Um, but Christ very well tells us right here that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We are, we are filled with the very presence of God uh, who enables us, really, to follow the commandments of Jesus. So anyway, this is a quote that I found in one of the study Bibles while I was, while I was researching and, and, again, preparing for this sermon. And here's what, this, this was a study note. This was a note um, within that Bible that was based on this, on this last scripture, this uh, verse 21. And it, read, it reads this. It says, loving Jesus Christ finds its most comprehensive expression in obeying Jesus. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Because we love Jesus, we obey his commandments. Now, again, let me read that. Loving Jesus Christ finds its most comprehensive expression in obeying Jesus' commandments, which are also the Father's commandments. And here's one that's going to cut you right to the bone, just as it did me. A Christianity that is satisfied with any less may be convenient, but it is too cheap to be biblical. I'm going to read that again. It is a hard pill for, for me to swallow uh, because I know there is a lot of truth behind that. And I think if we are honest with ourselves and honest with God, we would have to admit that too. Loving Jesus Christ finds its most comprehensive expression in obeying Jesus's commandments, which are also the Father's commandments. Now, here it is. A Christianity that is satisfied with anything less may be convenient, but it is too cheap to be biblical. If we're not faithfully following the commandments of Jesus, we are following a convenient Christianity. Most of us, most of us, are guilty of surface-level Christianity. And I don't say that to be judgmental. Um, I'm guilty of it myself a lot of times to a degree. We want just enough Jesus that we're saved, that we're, that we're justified before God, that we got our ticket into heaven. But when it comes to following the commandments of Jesus, a lot of these we deem just to be too hard. It's too hard, it's too difficult. And they are hard for people. They are difficult for people, but they're not impossible without Christ. As Methodists, we have always, we have always for 300 years nearly, believed in this idea of, of, of sanctification. That, uh, that it's not impossible to follow the commandments of Jesus. It's not, it's not impossible to fully love God and to fully love neighbor. That's the whole idea of this, of this big word called sanctification, where we grow. We grow in Christ's likeness, as Paul talks about, and we grow in our love for God and our love for neighbor. And if we're settling for anything less, if we are settling for anything less, we are settling for a cheap version of Christianity. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, the great Lutheran pastor who was who was martyred at the uh, at the hands of, the, of, of Hitler, the Third Reich, he called that cheap grace. He called it grace. That's grace. It's salvation without repentance. Um, that, that type of thing. It's a cheap gospel, and it's a it's a cheap version of Christianity, and it's uh it's uh it's it's it's, it's the convenience that we settle for, and and I think that's why we practice self reflection. I think that's why we continue not to beat ourselves up. Of course, we live under grace. Of course we live under grace and we live under the love of God 
Thankfully, we do. But again, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. I don't follow the commandments of Jesus for the sake of, 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 of guilt, for the sake of fear, for the sake of some weird sense of obligation. I follow Jesus. I follow the commandments of Jesus because I love Jesus. And if I'm not doing that, if I'm not seeking that, none of us are perfect. I get that. But if I'm not seeking that, I've got to ask myself, how much, how much do I truly love Jesus? But again, as he said in these verses, we are not abandoned. He is not abandoning us. He has not abandoned his followers. He's not abandoned his disciples. He, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, literally dwells inside of us. Check out John 14, verse 26. Just a few scriptures down. John 14, verse 26, Jesus says this. When the Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit is my representative. He will teach you everything and he will remind you everything that I have told you. That's another part of the Holy Spirit's job. That's another part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He teaches us everything and he reminds us of everything that Jesus has told us. What's some other things that the Holy Spirit does for us? He endows us with spiritual gifts and he endows us with spiritual fruits. Many of us are filled or are very, very familiar with scripture in Galatians 5. I think it's Galatians 5. 22 through 23 that talk about the fruits of the spirit those are the fruits that we are provided because through the work of the holy spirit it's not of our own making it's because he indwells inside us because he lives inside of us these are things that he gives us that he provides to us these these fruits he also endows us with these gifts and then at, at some point in the future i really hope that we talk more at broxton about spiritual gifts we haven't even touched on that yet but the Holy Spirit fills us, provides us with all of these gifts, and, 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 and he grants us this ability to, uh, to, uh, to follow Jesus and to obey Jesus. We can't obey Christ's commandments within our God's commandments, which are Christ's commandments within our own beings, within our, within our, own, our own ability as people. It's impossible. That's why we have Jesus Christ. That's why Christ had to come. Because God knew that we couldn't do it, that it was impossible because of our fallen nature. It was impossible for us to follow these commandments, God's commandments. It's impossible for us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves without Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come. That's among, among other, other reasons why he had, while he was crucified and raised again from the dead. And that's how, through the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we are able, we do have, we do have the ability to faithfully and lovingly follow Jesus' commandments to love God and neighbor with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't want to leave us on a down note, but, but I do want to repeat that, uh, that quote that I read to you a few minutes ago uh, as we close out today. Because it's something we all need to ponder. It's something we all need to ponder. Myself included. So I'm going to read it to you one more time before we leave. Loving Jesus Christ finds its most comprehensive expression through obeying Jesus' commandments. Loving Jesus Christ finds its most comprehensive expression through following his commandments. 
which are also the Father's commandments. A Christianity satisfied with anything less may be convenient, but it is too cheap to be biblical. And again, as Von Heffer referred to it, he called that cheap grace. We need to meditate on these words, folks. We need to pray on these things. We need to seek the Holy Spirit. We want to, and I believe that. I believe that the majority of us want to want to be faithful, true Christ followers. Unfortunately, we settle for convenience a lot of times in a lot of ways. And again, I don't discount myself on this. My prayer for you is that we will continue to seek these things, that we will continue to seek to grow in Christ likeness, uh, which is something, again, that we talk about so much here at Broxton, so much that we'll grow in Christ likeness, that we will grow in our closeness to him, that we will that we will seek to to uh, to reflect Jesus in everything that we think, everything that we say and everything that we do for our glory, for our own, for I'm sorry, for God's glory. For our own good and for the good of every life that we may touch. Pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you so much for Jesus, our Savior, and also our Lord. God, we pray that you will give us, uh, first of all, the desire. Give us the desire to, to seek to follow your commandments. Give us the desire to love our neighbor as ourselves. Give us a desire to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be aware of the presence of your Spirit. Help us, God, to be to, to, uh, to respond to your presence, to respond to his, his promptings, to his leadings. Mold us, grow us, and transform us into the likeness of Christ. This we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always.